0: And I just. 24 years ago. And I called him up and I said, There's this guy who's a great preacher.
1: I think you can take that church. that
0: time has been for him and I think
1: Thank you very much, and thanks for coming. I appreciate the kind words, Dr. R. And I'm going to just start with a little um, context kind of of where I come from as, as it relates to this topic of uh, leading your staff team. And I'm excited about this session. Staff culture and ministerial health is a passion of my heart. something that I, I... And I'll just tell you a little bit about my story that has led me to this point of my life in ministry. and and kind of that history that informs. And today's going to be some practical principles. I don't think I'm going to blow anybody's mind with these things, but I'm just going to share some of the things that I've learned as as a staff member and that we've done as I've had the privilege to be a lead pastor with the staff. And hopefully you can take away one or two or three actionable items from this session that might help uh, improve the overall team culture, family culture of your staff. I served this, as an assistant pastor on a church staff for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, and for the past six years, I've had the privilege to be the lead pastor, helping to hire, lead, and serve with the staff. I was blessed to have a wonderful staff experience coming out of Bible College, my home church, um, where I was saved. And I served there for 15 years, about the last decade. I was the administrative pastor there and helped to oversee a a staff of about 70 full-time staff members um, with another, I don't know, 30 or 40 um, uh, college students and campus employment type uh, staff members. As a staff member, I was treated well. I was given great opportunities for growth. And truly, the 15 years that I served on staff, it was an environment that I, I looked forward to going to work every day. I didn't dread going to the office. I looked forward. I loved the people that I served with. I love the opportunities that I had to serve. And so I was blessed. The reality is, I've been in vocational ministry 21 years and had the privilege to know a good number of pastors and staff members. My heart breaks. They, they gave their heart to God as young people, as teenagers, had a passion and a desire and went off to a Christian college or a Bible college maybe and, and, uh, and said yes and got got hired, went on staff somewhere. And I'm sure Dr. R being in the ministry here, you've seen this story time and again. And 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 it seems that too often, at least in my opinion, that first staff experience is not the great experience that I had the privilege to receive. Whoever's that's not blame on the pastor or the staff member, but just wherever the blame lies, that first staff experience ends up being one where In a few years, it seems, often this young man or young lady or young couple that was on fire, graduated from a Bible college like this, and I want to go make a difference for Jesus, and, and within just a few years, there's some discouragement, some disillusionment, some some hurt, like, man, I, I didn't think this is how it was going to be, and, and again, maybe some of that goes on to some immaturity on the younger staff member's side, uh, but, but sometimes that disillusionment of what a lifetime of ministry they thought would look like. And, and it doesn't have to be that way, in my opinion. Sometimes when I talk to pastors and or staff, staff members and hear some of the stories, I just think, why are we treating each other this way? Why is this the overarching culture of our ministries? And and, and I know there are a, a tremendous amount of wonderful ministries with wonderful cultures, but there are I've seen too many, at least, in my opinion, where it's, it's this feeling of, of, and this was a young person, a young couple, or whatever, and, and the young person maybe didn't have the right spirit toward the leadership, or vice versa, and I just don't feel like it has to be that way, and so as an assistant pastor in Northern California, my last decade there, I was administrative pastor. I helped to oversee a, a full-time staff of about 70 members, so I was involved in a lot of different personalities, and, and uh, responsibilities, and roles, and hiring, and different things, and here in Southern California... I inherited a staff of about 15, about 15 staff members when I got there. And over the last six years, we've had the privilege to hire 35 or 40 staff members. Um, And uh, over those last six years, one of our assistant pastors, Pastor Doug, is here. I told him he didn't have to come. He hears me talk all the time, but he is a wonderful assistant pastor, a godly man. And I've said it often. Um, if if every pastor had a Doug McMaines on their staff, there'd be a lot less discouraged pastors. And I'm I'm a I'm a, a blessed pastor to serve with a, such a godly, faithful, humble man. Uh, but we now, right currently, our staff, we have a ministry staff of 44 people. Pastor Norris will join us um, uh, toward the second half of the session. I think you said 72 on your staff. Is that right, Pastor Norris? And, and uh, so he has much more experience and has probably had hundreds of different staff members through your 25 years or so as being lead pastor there. And uh, but I'm thankful. And, and to this point, we've not done everything perfectly. I'm not up here as the expert as I go. But I have had the perspective of 15 years from the staff member side and then six years from the pastor side. And uh, and God's taught me some things through that. And I'm thankful to this point. We're maybe still in a honeymoon phase, six years as pastor. But to this point, God's given us the one and culture in our staff. I talk much about those things with our staff. Um, last year, we didn't have anybody that left our staff and, um, and didn't have any turnover at all. Everybody was there. The year before, we had one that left our staff, and he's still in our ministry, didn't leave under bad circumstances. In fact, he's now substitute teaching um, for a, a teacher that's on maternity leave right now and, and is still a, a faithful member in our church. The year before that, I think we had two that left. One of those got married, and their husband lived in Texas, and so that would have been a weird marriage if, if she stayed with us, and so that wasn't going to work. Um, but I, I say that again. I, I don't mean that braggadociously. I say that to me that's a good indicator, and there's turnover on staff. I was a staff member who left a staff. At times, God leads people away, and we've had turnover on our staff. Not everyone that has left would say that, that, that I hung the moon, all right? I understand there are, there, are, there are situations that can happen like that, but I think the overarching culture should be one where people are excited about where God has placed them to serve and are enjoying the ministry God's called them to, not enduring it. There are times we endure hardness as a good soldier, but if we have the privilege of areas of leadership, it ought not be our job to make them endure things, right? There, there should be a, a love and an excitement for what God's called us where He's called us to. I'm thankful for the Spirit, us In our ministry, we talk a lot about being a staff family and a staff team. I talk a lot about those two words. I I say, I want us to be a family and a team. Now, it's easy to say that and put it up on a sign on the wall, but a a family, there's, there's deep relationships in a family. A team is a group of individuals that sacrifice for one another for the common good of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, to, to, to give to one another. And so I love those metaphors, those pictures of, of team and family. And we do a lot on our staff to try to foster intentionally. I don't just, we talk about it, this isn't just a career, it's a calling. We're not working at Walmart where we show up at eight and, and clock out at three. Uh, I, we, we worship together, we serve together, we live together, God has blessed our school and it's grown and we, this fall we hired 10 new staff members, uh, two of those on the church side, eight of those on the school side. For us, every ministry is a little different, for us, all of our full-time school staff are members of our church and I tell our, our staff that they, that's because I don't just want Christian school. We're a team. We're a family. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of what informs that. And, and the fact that I've had the privilege to work. paid staff that serve in our ministries. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. I think we know this passage. What does the Bible say? Let the elders, church leadership there, right? Pastors, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. About financially, materially, taking care of their needs. And when we read that passage, all God's senior pastors say, don't muzzle the ox that treadeth the corn, right? For those that are lead pastors, may I say, I don't believe that that should only apply to lead pastors. Those that serve with us in the ministry of, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but those that serve with us in the ministry of the Word. If, if they were good enough, for lack of a better term, for us to hire them to join us in the ministry, let's not just view that as, let's make sure the church takes care of me and my family. Make sure me and my wife are taken care of. What about those that have given their lives to serve alongside of you? That we wouldn't be able to do the work that God's called us to without them. And it says here, they're worthy of double honor. They're worthy, they, 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 the labor is worthy of his reward, not just true of a senior pastor. Philippians 4, Paul writing to the, 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 to the church at Philippi, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. May I just stop and say this. We understand this. There is a blessing that comes with giving to those that are serving in the work of the ministry. We use this a lot in missions speaking, but I think the overarching principle is we minister to those that minister to others. God blesses us. And there's a blessing that comes to the church that learns that fruit that abounds to our account. But I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus and we see here Paul teaching, learn, praising them for being a giving ministry. Giving to who? Giving to the ones that were laboring in full-time vocational ministry. And, and taking that principle, we ought to teach our church to find the joy, if God has blessed us with people that are laboring in ministry, to bless them. Create a culture. I was talking to a church planner that's just a few years old and they were talking about how he he was telling me, he said, you know, we've got got to really train our people to learn what it is to love the servants of God. It's new for them. Even appreciating those that labor, not for me, but those that labor in the word and and on a, a special occasion or whatever it might be, there's a biblical principle. We ought to be teaching our ministry to take care of God's servants somewhere along the way, some of our leaders and or churches got the idea that the less money people had, the more spiritual they were. And it became like a vow of poverty. And so that's, I'm showing my love for God. And sometimes God calls people to serve in very lean places. I've traveled to countries around the world. And there are, even in America, where people are struggling those. And that's okay. If that's what God's called someone to do, But it's not a biblical principle. If you're going to serve God, let's starve them so that they can fast and pray a lot. The less food they have, the more spiritual they'll be. No, probably the more they'll fight with their spouse because of discouragement. And they can't buy groceries. And probably the less healthy they're going to be. We we should lead our church, not for our own, not making merchandise of the sheep, but teach our church to be giving to those that labor in the Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very high in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Churches ought to take care of their, great care of their pastors. And may I say this? And I don't think any of us... I'm talking about us getting wealthy or rich. But churches ought to take great care of their pastors. And then may I say this? Churches, under the leadership of their pastor ought to take great care of their staff members. We ought to strive to do that. I'm going to give us these five thoughts. I'm going to try to go quickly so we can leave as much time as possible for um, Pastor Norris and, and to hear from him and wisdom that he has and open it up for any questions. But number one, leading a healthy staff team. Number one, lead by example. The Bible talks there about labor in the Word. And so you apply this wherever it goes, but for the senior pastor, a reminder for us, we ought to be leading the way in the work that we're doing. I know that sounds, uh, sounds obvious, but sometimes if we're not careful because we have a position of power, we have a power dynamic, we can expect some things from those that are serving that we don't hold ourselves to. I like the fact that Pastor Chapel mentioned, by the way, I was out last Thursday going to a door and inviting people to church and someone was in church. Nothing will discourage those that serve with us than being asked to held to a standard that we're not holding ourselves to. It'll create resentment, it'll create bitterness. nothing And that doesn't mean, obviously one of the reasons we need staff is because we can't do everything. That doesn't mean you do everything your staff member does. it means The level, the standard that we're expecting from them of commitment, of investment, of love, of labor. We ought to be leading the way in that as those that labor in the word. Leading by example. Don't discourage them um, by holding them to standards you don't hold yourself to. Pastors, we are not the king and they are minions to do our bidding. We are a team striving together for the sake of the gospel. I'm so thankful for only Luke is with me. I'm so thankful for him. Boy, Epaphroditus, when he, he was such a blessing when he came and visited me and greet so and so and. What did Paul do? He didn't take all the glory and the credit for himself. He's constantly praising and appreciating and loving one another. Uh, Treat them as a team, as as someone uh, that's appreciated. Somewhere along the line, we got the idea, some of us maybe, that the pastor had to be the drill sergeant whipping all the privates into shape through fear, intimidation, threat, and power dynamics. That might work well for a season. That's not going to be a good, uh, a long-term healthy culture in a ministry environment. That might work fine in the military. That might still be their their power structure. That's not going to work well in a biblical model of a ministry. Love them. Lead them. Yes, correct them when needed. But don't expect them to serve in measures that you are not serving. Don't force them to work six 12 hour days while you're working four eight hour days. Whatever the case may be, lead by example. If you want to have a healthy staff team, they need to see the commitment, the expectation, the investment that you're asking of them. They need to see it in you. Number two, leading a staff team. Number two, lead with encouragement. Have fun together. Pastor Sidlowski's here. I don't know him very well, but we spent a 10 days in Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii. Well, let's do that. Let's go to Hawaii. It was Israel, right? I don't know why I said Hawaii. I'm thinking about Hawaii right now. We went to Israel. I think that might have been. One. I preached for you one time, and then I think I just met you that one night at Sizzler dinner, and then, uh, and then we went to Israel. I don't know a whole lot about Pastor Sidlowski. We haven't spent a ton of time personally. You know what I figured out uh, on the, the eight or nine days we were together in Israel. He's a fun guy. He loves life. He loves the Lord. He loves people. He loves the ministry. Now, I'm sure there's times he has bad days. What, but, and we all have different personalities. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have to uh, love what we're doing, what God's called us to do. And that ought to filter through to those we serve with. Have fun together. It's been said, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Have fun together. Yes, correct, but praise. Point out the good. Praise in front of others. Praise them in front of the church. Lead the church to do things for your staff. It doesn't have to be we take all of the credit. I'm the pastor. and All of this is because of me. We get plenty in healthy church models. We get enough appreciation and love and gratitude. Let's deflect some of that and share some of that with those that are laboring in the shadows. Those that are laboring in places where they're not seen, let, let them know they've done well. Make a big deal on social media. When one of our staff uh, members has an event that they lead, I try to make it a habit to point out, well, so, so thankful for uh, our youth pastor, Ryan Cavan, our recent youth rally. Had several hundred teenagers here last month. Uh, a month, Two months ago, somebody uh, sent me a picture of our Spanish ministry and I, or something, I don't remember what it was, and a tweet and just, man, love how God's working through Sammy Roberson. Share the praise and the encouragement with those that are laboring with you don't you love it when somebody appreciates you for what you've done pastor let's do the same and I know this sounds so elementary but I fear too often it's so missing and we ought to remind ourselves have fun together again they're a family who wants to be a part of a family that never laughs We say we're a staff family. If we're a family, let's be a family. Let's do the things that families do. What do they do? They laugh together. They cry together. They learn together. They grow together. They pray together. They eat together. They have a good time. We're a church family. We're a staff family. That leadership team, build that culture. Right when I I got to um, Southern California, I don't know where the idea came from, but I grew up watching 10 o'clock AM on CBS. Price is right, Bob Barker. Be sure to spay new to your pets, all right? I grew up on all of that. And, and somewhere along the way, I figured out, Pastor Norris, that they film it down here. And so I had the idea. At that time, we only had Doug three on, on the pastoral staff. It was, me and, it was me and three others, me, you, and two others on the pastoral staff. And I got the idea, let's take a day. I don't even remember if it was supposed to be our day off or we took a work day. I think it was just a Tuesday. We just took a work day and said, let's go to the Prices Right taping. And I had him, we, we, had, we had one of our guys print up T-shirts that said, The Price is Right Pastors with, with uh, the Price is Right logo. And I've got a picture on my phone of it. We went, and the, if you've ever been through it's a fun process. You go through this interview process. And our, our uh, music pastor, our creative pastor, he got called up on stage. And he won some stuff, and almost, he went and spun the wheel, and almost and we went to eat afterwards, and we had a blast. I didn't know these three men, but just that one day, within a month or two of getting there, it really built some memories and, and create, and we, we spent 8, 10, 12 hours together that day, nothing spiritual whatsoever. We went to the Price is Right. In fact, if anything, a couple of the models that walked out the watches, we had to ask for forgiveness later, you know, on the Price is Right. There was, not only was it not spiritual, it was probably unspiritual. We had a good time together, and you know what? We had so much fun, I, I came to our next all, monthly staff meeting, and I said, I said, man, we had a blast. I said, how many of you, if we went again, and I was talking this time to our whole school staff, not just our pastoral staff. How many of you would want to go? And uh, they said, I said, you know what, during spring break, because they were all teaching, I wasn't going to cancel school to go to prices, right? But uh, during spring break, if you want to go, we'll go. And so we took like 15 or 20 of us there on a, on a day during spring break, and same thing. And our assistant pastor, Pastor Sammy, got called up that time, and he made it to the showcase showdown. And he was $200 over, almost won a car and a motorcycle. He ended up winning kayaks and a vacation to Canada. And... Uh, <laughs> And we all, we all, he sold the kayak on offer up or something, and we all went to eat afterwards and we had a blast. We don't do that every week, and I probably don't do as much of it as we should. But regularly, we're trying to do some things like that. Several times a year, we do staff-wide events or experiences. We have an annual staff orientation two days in August. The school staff has an additional one that they do in the first week of August. They go to San Diego for a night. This year, they went to SeaWorld one day together. Every year, we have an adult staff Christmas party, and we invest a good bit into that on one night. And uh, don't tell anybody, Pastor Doug. This year, we're taking them all to a murder mystery dinner. We've booked a private thing at a hotel, and we're going to go, and these actors come in, kind of like Clue, and we're going to have dinner and try to think of different experiences. And then every year, we do a staff kids Christmas party, and we've taken anyone that has kids to a day at Disneyland, and a day at Universal, and a day at SeaWorld. And we've gone to medieval times and boomers, and last year everything was closed with COVID. So I took them to our local mall, uh, uh, the Irvine Spectrum, and gave every kid, you, uh, I t- said, We've, you know, I'm I'm so glad your parents serve the Lord. It's a wonderful joy to serve the Lord. I'm thankful. Sometimes staff kids can get resentful that their parents are in ministry. And I want them to remember, man, I get some things in my life that that I wouldn't if my parents hadn't chosen to serve the Lord. And we're standing at their spectrum. We played some games, a gingerbread house game, and gave out some gift cards and played something else and went and got lunch. and, And we did a few things. We stopped and got donuts at Duck Donuts. We have, because of God's people in our church are very generous and your, your parents, they work hard. For every kid, we've got a 200, $200 and you get to spend it on whatever you want at the mall. And parents, you don't get to say no. This is from pastor and from the church and they get to whatever you've been wanting to buy. Well, that's a bad thing to tell five-year-olds. My, my six-year-old daughter has no idea the value of money she's buying. My son literally bought like a $30 giant gummy bear. I would never let him buy that in real life. It's this huge five-pound gummy bear that costs thirty bucks, but man, these kids had a blast. Again, we don't do that a ton, but a few times a year, we try to do some things. Why? We're a family. We've taken the adults on an LA food tour and hired a private chef to come cook a five-course meal in our courtyard, and we've gone to a symphony at the Disney Concert Hall and an Angels game. And you say, Pastor Ryan, that sounds really expensive. May I say this? In my my perspective, those aren't expenses; they're investments. We're not losing money from the ministry. We're investing. And by the way, no one, Orange County, where we live, is a very expensive place to live. And and there are very few people on our staff that are able to afford to purchase a home. live in some crazy fancy where they are they are all, almost every one of them, if not every one of them is making below the median income in our area. And we try not to we're gonna talk about it in a minute, we try to do as well as we can, but there is nobody now they're taking oh, I think well care of, but they're not getting rich. But I think it's it's worth per staff member budgeting A thousand or two a year to be able to invest on some special things to let them know. Isn't it worth in your family, even when you're struggling, to invest a thousand or two or three or four to go on a, a vacation a week or two somewhere and build those memories? Isn't that worth? Is that a worthy investment in your family? It's probably a worthy investment with your staff family too. With encouragement, a couple times a month I get lunch with our pastoral staff team, usually on a Monday after a Monday staff meeting. Not even just to meet, just to spend time together. A couple times a year, get a Starbucks order for the teachers and bring it to them in their classes. Um, Give them not only things for them in encouragement, but give them a voice. Allow them to communicate with you. Let them differ with you. Push back. Give ideas. Pastor, don't be insecure. Encourage them to grow, to expand, to take opportunities. Encourage their growth. You don't have to keep them under your thumb. I, I joke, Pastor Matt, a friend of mine, and I've preached for you a couple times, but you've had Pastor Sammy preach. Pastor Sammy is one of our assistant pastors. Uh, it's, it's bad when the pastor is the second or third best preacher on the staff. He's a better preacher than I am, and he gets invited out to places to preach more than I am. Great. That's not something I should be insecure about. Well, we're going to do a step policy. You can only go out two weeks a year, but if I get invited ten times, I'm going out all ten times of no, Sammy's texted me yesterday. He said, hey, this pastor in Arizona invited me at the end of the year. Pastor Skelly gave my name. Give me that. What do you think? Should I go? I said, go for it. Encourage them to grow. Encourage them to, 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 be, to have blessed. Encourage church families to bless them. I'll have sometimes a church family come up. I was wanting to do something kind. Is that a- Whatever you want to do for the staff, do that. Lead with encouragement. Don't lead from a scarcity mentality. Lead from an abundance mentality. Giving encouragement to one staff member does not or somebody blessing a staff member does not mean there's less for God to bless you with, pastor. Love one another. We're a team, we're a family. Number 3, lead by equipping. Lead by equipping. I want us us to be continually growing. I was just talking to our pastoral staff about all of us maybe in the in the spring starting to take at least one online course a semester. Um, through a college, through an online college, a place like here, or if there's a, another class they want to take somewhere in their area, and, and, and the ministry helping to cover that. If we're not growing as we should be, those under our leadership will not be growing as they should be. If the ministry leaders are not growing as we should be, those in our ministry will not be growing. You've heard it said before, hurt people hurt people. You ever heard that phrase that, may I say this? Growing people grow people. If we're growing those under us, so encourage growth. When a staff member comes, they're not ready-made. Right. If you're a pastor, you figured that out quickly, didn't you? <laughs> they're not ready-made. And, and by the way, when you became the pastor, you weren't either. Right. Yeah. You've grown. And, and encourage that growth and budget for that growth and I know every ministry is a little different and every ministry has to do what they can do in their context, but it can be extremely discouraging to be asked to lead in a certain role when you haven't been given the training or tools to fulfill that role. Hey, hey, Matt, we're going to have you, you're going to be the high school, you know, Matt failed all science classes all through high school. We're going to have you be the science department head, and you're going to be teaching chemistry, biology, and math, by the way, trigonometry, and algebra, and, and Matt's like, man, I, I dropped out of school in the eighth grade. Sure. Number one, we probably shouldn't do that, but number two, if we're going to ask somebody to do something that, they're let's help equip them. Sure. Help them grow. Give them those tools. Invest in them. We, we started a thing four or five years. But we started a hashtag LBC NCS Reads, Liberty Baptist Church, Newport Christian, Christian School. LBC NCS Reads. And we started it with our staff. We meet monthly. I meet weekly with our church staff. Our school staff meets weekly, weekly with the principal, and then I meet monthly with our entire ministry staff. At our monthly meeting, um, anyone that reads a book, we asked them to post it, on, post it on social media with that hashtag and a little review. I told them a couple of things. One, I want to encourage you to be reading, to be growing. Two, it's going to encourage your staff members to get book ideas. And there have been many in our church. Oh, that sounds like a great book. I need to read that one. And we're encouraging our church. They're seeing that the leadership is growing. And what we do, the way we do it is, if you post that, we give every book you read, you get a $10 Target gift card. So if you read three or four books, you get $40 little Target bonus at staff meeting. And then we put it on a little app, on like a Wheel of Fortune app, every book. And then it spins. And once a month, one person gets a $100 Amazon gift card once a month from that. Last This month, we just did it last week, I think it was $170 in Target and $270. It's fun, it's encouraging, and it's challenging folks to grow and uh, and to, to grow in those ways. Little things, and you don't have to do exactly like that, that's what worked for us. Pay for all or a portion of online classes, encourage them to be taking a class. Our secondary director in our school just completed her master's do- to get a, she didn't have an education degree from USC, wanted to get her master's in education. About Ivy League schools, but they're not, they don't give thousand dollar discounts at SLC, Dr. R. (laughs) They're expensive. Now we could not pay for all of it, but we invested thousands and thousands of dollars over the course of two years into helping her pay for that. Why? What if she leaves? What if you paid for all that and she leaves? Number one, we've created a culture of growth. Number two, there's a good chance maybe she doesn't leave because she knows she's loved and appreciated and valued. And number three, I want the people, however long God has them there, to be the best that they can be. Conferences, so LBCNCS reads by equipping. Pay for a portion of classes. Conferences, encourage them to go. Our Pastor Sammy's leading our music. He was at a music conference last month. We have eight from our... Pastors at a kids conference this month, Um, teachers uh, go to conferences in the summer, encourage that we do a weekly staff meeting for, for equipping a monthly staff meeting with equipping, an annual staff orientation. We've had some where we've helped where there might be some things they are walking through or struggling that would be above what I would consider my pay grade. We've helped to pay for some good, godly Christian counseling in some areas. And our ministry, and that's not cheap, but our ministry, and you're struggling here, let's seek some, some help in that specific area. Let's get some help there. And the ministry wants to help you. Why? I want them to know we want you to be spiritually, personally, relationally healthy. And we're going to do whatever we can with that. Number four, lead in healthy expectations. Lead in healthy expectations. My perspective of my Christian life and as a pastor and as with staff leadership, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Pastor Chapel mentioned that this morning when he came. I want to stay a long time. My prayer is got to let me stay where I am for 25 years. I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know health. I don't know. He may move me tomorrow. He may, he may call me home today. I don't know where that will go, but, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. Now, here's the thing. A marathon is still hard, still a lot of work. It's going to be tiring and exhausting at times, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm not going to run myself into the ground or try to run my staff into the ground uh, in, in This year or this month, and let's just use them and abuse them for a year or two or three, kick them to the curb and get a fresh set and do that four or five times until I'm done. That's not my goal. Lead in healthy expectations. Withdraw we weekly, abandon annually. I encourage our staff with that. Divert daily, have something daily that's refreshing you time just it's okay i've heard one person one pastor said sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap (laughs) sometimes we create this idea that the 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 pastor or the staff member feels the pressure i've got to be up at four in the morning and praying and fasting and i've got to work 12 hours then i got to visit in the hospital and go door knocking for four hours and i've got to be up and counseling till midnight and start it all over again tomorrow you might be able to do that for a week or two or a month or two, you're not going to do that for a lifetime. And if you do, you're not going to do it joyfully. <laughs> Lead in healthy expectations. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I, pastor Doug, I don't think he will mind me saying this. Pastor Doug, I told you, is an amazing gift to, to a pastor. He's been in vocational ministry over 40 years. Pastor Doug's a workaholic. He was trained in, in some old school ways, some of the old school, under some wonderful pastors. And Pastor Doug is, 60, 70 hours is a short week for him. And I met with all of our staff when I first got there the first week, and I wanted to hear their testimony. And I met with, I don't know if I've ever told you this, Pastor Doug, I met with your wife. And I said, Joanne, what what do you see in our ministry that you think is good? What do you see that I need to be aware of, maybe a concern in your personal life and ministry? Anything I need to know of? I asked every staff member these same questions. And Tears began to roll down her cheeks, and she said, My husband, he's, he's a wonderful man, and he, he's worked so diligently. He said, We've got one more child still in the home, and I, I just want him to be able to be home a little more than he has been for Brian. And Pastor Doug knows from the beginning. He, now, most staff pastors, you wish you had this problem. I have to force him to go home. Most staff members, you're like, Where are they at? Let me get them back here, right? And we, we had to set up rules. And Pastor Doug, you, you cannot, on summer, in the summer, you cannot touch the property on Thursdays. Unless you have permission from me. You're going to spend time with Joanne and, and Brian. And now Brian's in sports. But when he was elementary and wasn't in sports, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you have to leave the office by 3 o'clock. You're home for two nights a week with, with Brian and Joanne. Why? Because if, if we let him, Doug would be there 80 hours a week. And he's, by the way, he's a wonderful husband and father. All of his children, he has six kids that all love the Lord. They're all faithfully in church every week. I think four or five of them have been students here at West Coast. It's not that he, he abandoned his family for the ministry, but he's passionate about what he does. And, and from the beginning, but with others, I have to remind them, hey, it's still a marathon. It's not a walk, all right? <laughs> but, but with Doug, it's not a sprint. Like, and so you have to figure that out with different staff members. But, but lead in healthy expectations. For our school teachers. They're not extra for us. and You do whatever you want. For us, they're not extra staff members in the summer. In the summer, they're off for two months. And I want them to rest and renew. Now, we expect them to be in church, and we ask them to be at VBS. And that's the only expectation for about ten weeks in the summer is to be a, a, a serving church member. But as it relates to staff, go work a second job if you want. Go on vacation if you want. Go to a conference. and Why? My prayer is that we'll have teachers that will stay for years and years and decades. They're not going to do that if I make them an assistant pastor working 80 hours a week, the three months they're off, and then they're back to full-time teaching. Most of them are not going to run that rhythm for very long. I've told our staff, I said, "What, what kind of motivates my spirit with our staff is 25 years from now, if God still wanted you serving here, I want you to be excited about that idea. Now, I know the way life works. We're not and Our staff would be a little smaller than this, but about this size. I, I would say, I know the way that works. We're not all going to be working together 25 years from now. That's not how life works. But here's the thing. If I came and told you, Matt, I, I saw into the future and you're still going to be on staff here in 25 years. I don't want that to be the most dreadful, terror-inducing <laughs> thought you've ever had. I want you to be like, wow, that's cool. God's going to let me stay. This is, this is going to be an awesome 25 years. That's the spirit and the culture I want to create, knowing there's a good chance that Matt and I may not be working together 25 years from now, but if God wanted us to be, and Matt doesn't work with me anyways, he's Pastor Tim's staff, but I'm just using him as an example. If that's what God wanted, I would want to be excited about that idea, and I would want him excited about that idea. That that, that thought, uh, two years ago, we implemented a sabbatical policy, and I actually implemented, I know many that, and I think it's healthy, I, I haven't taken one yet, I want to, probably in, in a few years um, uh, I, know, I think Pastor Chapel every summer tries to take four to six weeks. I think there's a lot of wisdom in some healthy rhythms. And many places do it just for the lead pastor or maybe a couple for us. We implemented it for our entire staff. And we had our principal take the first one. He's the first one to do it this last summer. He took it for six weeks, and at staff orientation, he went through the six weeks what he did and, and, and how God and our school and our staff is so much stronger and healthier this school year because he, I didn't let him come to church. I think I only texted him once. He wasn't allowed to check his emails. He was completely disconnected for six weeks. He's been on staff there for 25 years. And, and, and it, it recharged him. He told the staff. And, and we, we helped to pay for some of that. It's not cheap to go do some things for six weeks. We budget for that. All of those things lead in healthy Expectations. We want them to have healthy marriages, healthy homes, healthy ministers. Number five, and I've got to finish up lead with extravagance. I, this is more for the alliteration. I'm not talking about Kenneth Copeland private jet. All right, and if anybody sees me, I'm actually driving a convertible Mercedes here. So this is going to look like, man, that rich pastor, Newport Beach. That's I paid zero dollars for that. It's a long story. It's not my like. uh, This is the only week I'll be driving that. I could tell you later. So don't think, man, this guy they they've got like millions in the bank and and he's uh, he's he's making three hundred thousand a year and his staff is you know that's not the case. When I say lead with extravagance, I'm not talking about unwise stewardship. I'm not talking about making merchandise of the sheep. I'm not talking about Kenneth Copeland's private jet. The only car that our family owns to our name is a 15-year-old minivan, okay? I'm not talking about where I'm wearing Rolexes and and my wife has Gucci purses. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is do what you can to spoil them materially. The Bible says worthy of double honor, and it's talking in, in meeting needs. What does it say? He's worthy of his hire, Pastors, there's nothing spiritual about keeping a staff member in perpetual poverty. What ends up happening is they, they'll stay there for a few years. They'll grow tired, frustrated, discouraged, disillusioned. And there are seasons in a ministry where people will will and should make sacrifices. I was reading the story of Pastor Chap when he came here and had nothing in the bank and couldn't buy groceries. I understand those can be faith-building, faith-growing times. But in most of our contexts, where most of us live, that's not our long-term experience as pastors. And it shouldn't be the long-term experience of those that serve with us as staff members. If we can't afford to, they're not worthy of their hire, then we shouldn't hire them. It would be better to have a smaller number of staff that is taken care of in greater ways than a larger staff that's in this perpetual poverty. And what happens is husbands and wives fight they're they're at each other's throats, they're upset, they're tired, they're frustrated, they're discouraged. You're not going to have a happy, joyful, growing, healthy ministry with frustrated, tired, broke, angry, bitter staff members. It's not going to happen. So we've tried, and thankfully our school's grown. We've, We've been able, and we're still not to where I want to be, but we've been able to give every teacher a raise every year in the six years we've been there. Most of our assistant pastors have received a raise most years. I didn't know I was going to have a staff member here. Our staff doesn't know this. In the six years I've been there, I've received two pay increases. I've turned down three others because I said, the church is taking good care of me. I want to get our staff up to better levels. And, and so let's take the money you're offering to me. Let's put that and bring the staff up in some other ways. We've, we've given longevity bonuses every five years. Not huge, but a, I, think, I think normally it's $100 a year. So if you're there 10 years, you get a $1,000 bonus at our staff training time. Last staff meeting, we gave a $100 gas card bonus, a gift card to every staff member. Gas is getting expensive. At the Christmas party, some special gifts or bonuses. Birthday checks for them and their kids. When they have a birthday, they get a handwritten note from me. And it sounds like I'm bragging on me. I'm not. I'm sharing some things that God has taught me and that we're doing. I don't know how else to do it. We have not figured it out. And our staff isn't where I believe they deserve to be yet, but we're working on it. And this philosophy is what's driving what we're doing. Uh, we try to pay them well. We've switched our health plan because it was getting crazy out of pocket and crazy expensive. So we switched it so that we could try to pay 100% of their health without any money coming out of their paycheck. Um, Pastor Doug is here when he turned 60. We talked to the deacons and, and, and he had been there 20 years and he's an amazing man. And the ch- we voted and gave $25,000 and we still haven't been able to do it because the housing market's crazy. But to help them for a down payment for their first home. They've been in vocational ministry for 40 years. Well, the church heard that and, and one couple contacted me and said, we want to match that. And so we have. Now, we haven't been able to do anything with it yet, but we have $50,000 sitting in an account to help a staff member. Well, Pastor Ryan, what about you? What about me? God's taking care of our family. This man has labored diligently for 40 years in vocational ministry, 20 at Liberty. I think we can bless them. That's, I know some may disagree. That might sound extravagant, but I think there is fruit that abounds. I think there's a blessing to the church that views the workers of God in that way. We've taken our team on different retreats to different places, some expensive, others not. We went to Tijuana, probably cost us $50 per staff guy and had a blast together. And we went to a missionary and stayed in a, in a and then we've also gone during COVID. There was crazy travel deals. Don't, don't tell everyone in our church, but we went with the pastoral staff and their wives to Puerto Vallarta for three nights. And it was it was actually, we were supposed to come to spiritual leadership, Dr. R, in Palm Desert last year. I told all the staff, I'm gonna take you all. That was gonna cost about $800, bucks a couple, and that got canceled, and I got an email of a travel deal, and for about 800 bucks a couple, we all went for three nights to Mexico, so thanks for canceling Spiritual Leadership <laughs> Conference, and we got a $100 round trip flight to Mexico, it was just crazy, it was a one-time thing, but, but, but what, am I, what am I trying to say? I realize some of this may not be possible in every ministry, we may not have the funds to do all of this at this season, but it is possible to have this spirit in every ministry, Even if you can't, you're not in a place where you can give $25,000 to a staff member for a down payment. Even if that's not where you are, you can have the Spirit create an environment where they can purchase books, register for an online conference, line up a lunch, send their family away for two nights to a hotel, appreciate them. So pastors, let's, let's do our best to lead. Don't be insecure. And don't be inconsiderate. Give grace. Love their families. And I'll close with this. And Pastor Norris, if you want to join me up here, I'll close with the words of Genesis 33. As Jacob and Esau are reunited, and Jacob said, let us take our journey and let us go. I'll go before thee. He said unto him, uh, I'm sorry, Esau says that. He said unto him, my Lord, knoweth that the children are tender, the flocks and herds with, with with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them, one day all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before a servant. Go ahead. And I will lead on Softly, according as the cattle that goeth before me and the children be able to endure until I come unto my. I'm going to lead in a way that's healthy for those under my care. And I'm all for strong leadership, but I'm also for soft leadership, caring, compassionate leadership. I'm not going to overdrive them that they all die in one day. I'm going to lead on softly so that they all make it to the journey, the end of the journey, because it's a marathon not a sprint. Pastor Norris, you come join me and and maybe just tell us a little about yourself and give any thoughts you have. I think we're supposed to sit up here in these fancy stools. And then we'll open up to any questions.
0: I I wrote down a lot of notes right here. That That was very good for me. And I wrote these two down. First of all, I sat there and prayed the whole time that none of my staff members are in here.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the second note I wrote down is hire Pastor Doug. <laughs> That's right, Pastor Doug's oh. the man. Jordan, you just need to go. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> pastor Doug's not going anywhere. I'm just kidding. I would do that. Um, uh, I have pastored for uh, uh, 12 years, two years as pastor and two years as assistant. West Virginia, and so when I started there, I was the chief cook and bottle washer. I did everything, and um, and then we were able to hire some staff, so I started with no staff and learned how to hire staff there, and then uh, 21 years ago, tw- almost 22 now, God called us to Franklin Road Baptist Church, and so the staff there, I think when I first started, I think we had 24. We have a school, wow. and uh, so it's about 72 wow. right now with school and church, and so we're grateful and thankful. Jordan's our, our youth pastor. You need to meet talk Pastor Doug. <laughs> but, uh, I really appreciate what he had to say, and so uh, I, I took a lot of notes, Pastor. That was excellent. Yeah.
1: That's good. Is there a question for Pastor Norris? Anybody want to make, at this point, it's, we're supposed to open it up and, and get a chance to ask a question from
2: measuring stick for uh, the pay of your staff. I've heard of different things, median income, uh,
0: principal and teacher, uh, you know, your local high school type thing. Do you have just kind of a, a reference, a measuring stick? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, I t- I I'll tell you that independent Baptists are different. There are actual actual manuals out there that you can pick up. I, don't, I can't put the name of the one that we have. I that, see it right there. It'd be hard pressed to find, you know, our maybe what we would consider. Um, but surprisingly, uh, Pastor Finley—I don't think he'd mind me giving his name. He actually wrote several pastors in the uh, in the South and got some standards there. Pastor Rick Finley out of Raleigh, and he didn't put any names with that. He kept all that confidential, and so we we, we actually gave him our numbers so we can see. And then uh, we have a school. How many have a Christian school? Hold your hand if you have a Christian school. You can usually. Uh, Go to your association or people that's in your network of schools and find out some general average of what is there. That's my quick answer to that.
1: And obviously budget drives it, but this is where we have to be wise in trying to allocate. People are what matters. We have a beautiful campus God's given us where we're at but our our principal will say the secret sauce to our christian school is our teachers it's not the beautiful gym that's only 5 years old nobody's going to come to a beautiful gym if you don't have great and so that it's, it's changing the mindset of staff as an expense and it's an investment. And, 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 mm-hmm. and, under, and so working that budget, what he's talking about, I was going to mention, we're not actually doing that yet, but I've already reached out to a, a financial consultant. I can give you the name that works with churches uh, um, later. And, and we're getting starting a, a relationship with him to help us get a structure in place. We don't have that yet, Casey, but, but we're going to do something from one of those, those groups that tells us. Were you going to say something there, Jason?
0: No, I was just going to... Richard Hammer, he's a Harvard lawyer, Harvard CPA. He does go region, denomination, size of church, ministry budget, uh,
2: staff member, senior, youth, assistant, associate, down to
0: Christian school teachers, janitors, you name it. Very. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Our business office takes care of that. There's one more thing I would add. I came out of the secular world. I went to Bible college years after we were married. And so... uh, one thing that I noticed was, sure, like he said, sometimes the church's uh, yeah. staff are, are not well paid. Some have the uh, the old adage, uh, Lord, you 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 keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. And so when I when I went into ministry, that really happened. I mean, I, I know what it's like to eat craft single cheese on two pieces of white bread you know for lunch every day. and uh, but it bothered me. And so as things progressed, uh, as he said, mm-hmm. I wanted my staff to be paid well, and so one thing you may do is consider where you live, uh, take maybe the biggest employer there. For us, it was Nissan and the Saturn plant at the time, the auto workers, and I kind of got a general average of what people made in our church. Mm-hmm. I did it myself. Uh, we have people that are very wealthy. I, I kept that out so I would have good across-the-board numbers. I got a good average and then I tried to shoot for that number. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that at this point, uh, knowing what I know, we're in the TACS uh, uh, conference with our teachers. I can tell you, uh, but only because I'm the president of that conference, I, our teachers are the highest paid in that, not mm-hmm. because uh, for, for any other reason other than we really push the numbers to get there. Amen. That's
1: good. That's good. Yes, sir?
0: Uh, Total annual budget operating. Do you know Pastor Norris? Is there a target
2: percentage? As far as knowing, are we ready to add a staff member or not, and you want to keep it at a certain percentage of total budget?
1: I don't have a specific number. We we look at our budget every year, and one of the biggest things we try to increase since I've been there is the staffing for us, our church side it's probably close to 50% of our budget, which is probably a little too high, Um, but we live in a really expensive area. And then on our school side, it'd be much less because the school has grown. Um, Pastor Norris? The
0: biggest piece of the pie is staff as well. Mm -hmm. and so when you hire staff it's it's a bigger number than what you realize so you know we probably work off the checkbook balance on that if we need one yeah
1: faith we go get them yeah and I would I would say again I would rather sacrifice in some other areas if there's a need for that good person because good people are going to create now you can't just go it has to be some reason there but but you might cut a certain program if if you can for a right person or taking care of the people you have yeah Jacob?
2: How much do you involve your staff in, like, long-term, big-picture vision planning for the ministry? You know, and how do you involve them in that kind of stuff?
0: We have a leadership team that we actually set set the course for the ministry, and then a, twice a year, uh, sometimes more often, we share that with the rest of the uh, staff. Um, we just give them the, the their part in that, yeah. but we don't really involve them much more in it.
1: And I would say a lot of the overarching vision, I think, does come from me. But then we meet, um, We meet. I meet weekly with our church staff men. And then, like we just did it last month, we meet every year, once a year, for four to six hours. And I share some of what God's doing in my heart and then get feedback. And then we plan, calendar planning, the entire plan for the whole next year. So we just did that last um, month where we spend... I guess four or five hours, Doug, probably. Um, and the beginning of that is always kind of more philosophical or vision side, kind of more the nebulous stuff. And then it, we bear down on what does that look like then programmatically calendar wise two, three years from now, who's speaking this, what do we want to implement? What are we missing? And um, you know, two years ago we did that for two or three hours, really COVID had us rethink everything and, and really together. So it, Comes a lot, I think, from my heart, and then I bring them into that conversation. Sounds like what you're saying, Pastor Norris, bringing them into the conversation on, a, on one full day a year, yeah. and we kind of set the vision then for the coming year. Do, do you do any of that, like, with lay
0: leaders deacons or that kind of stuff? Or is it, if you, you have like, a smaller church and you don't have a, a paid staff, I definitely would use your key members, deacons. All of our stuff is cleared through our deacons before it ever gets to the staff, our direction and so forth.
1: Yeah, that's what we do. And I don't bring the deacons into those meetings as far as calendar planning and things. Yeah, no,
0: I don't do any of that. I'm just yeah. talking about just the major scope of all. Bruce? General, not specifics with COVID, but a uh, positive and negative. COVID tribulation is the deal that's already there. a positive negative amongst your staff. Uh, there's some things you've learned, some changes you've made that have been positive.
1: Positive. Okay things That have happened with our staff through COVID? Positive or negative?
0: I know I understand your question. I will tell you that I still feel pretty thrown up in the air with all of it. I buried eight people in three weeks. I just had a funeral before I came. And so we're still, when you stand by that hole as much as I have, like 12 people in four weeks. <laughs> It's. Uh, I still feel thrown up in the air somewhat mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that, and that Jordan, I think you would agree with this. When we had our our startup startup, our staff meeting in August with all of our key staff, we go one week, one whole week, all day long. I felt like that there was a coming together there. I would tell you the Okay, let me just give you the biggest positive right now is our staff is wide awake. That Jesus Christ is coming back. Yeah. And they're seeing that, and our church is seeing that. We've had unusual growth. Our community is seeing that. Our mm-hmm. school jumped to over 670 this year. Mm-hmm. We, we pre enrolled 720 and couldn't hold them all and had to. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So our staff is seeing that, and it's giving us a, it's almost sending cold chills up my, mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. neck right now because. Our people are seeing things that they're saying, well, we never really understood how this all going to work out. Mm-hmm. We're beginning to see. Amen. So that, that was a positive. And, and I guess the negative from all of it is there's still this fear factor that we're constantly trying to overcome. Only God can, I like what Pastor said about that, and really uh, Dr. Herring today, God's going to have to be the one that take, takes care of that Amen. fear factor. Amen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, someone said, said we want we them wanted to, um, we don't want them to run to Fox News. We mm-hmm. want them to run to church. And Man. Run to work. Amen. Yeah. I think yeah. someone said
1: that. I would say positive for us is that the clarity, it kind of of in our context a ton of negative but that that clarity of just kind of we're not just going to keep going through the motions we got to really figure out what what is what are the priorities right now I know we're supposed to be at lunch in about three minutes is there one one or two more questions Justin Um, I know you
2: talked a little about the school staff uh, taking the break off of the summer, how involved do you encourage them to be in the church side? Um, you may little North she talked about as well. Just as members, or
0: how involved do you try to get them? Our, we give our school uh, staff the
1: So I don't have, uh, there is no mandate. Of- uh, uh, many- Some more than others. Um, and, and in the summertime, there's no expectation other than faithful church attendance and VBS. Yep. Uh, Matt, did you have your hand up behind him? Yes.
2: In the early days of having a staff for the very first time, is there anything that you would go back and do different? Or anything that you said, hey, I got this right from the very get go?
1: You'd better, I I inherited a staff of 15, so.
0: That lets me, I wrote down there's a paradigm shift here. I, I want to acknowledge because I'm listening to, I'm 63, how are you? 42. Okay, so. So I came out of the working world, Dr. R will understand this, that you know, you went to work in the factory or whatever, you got your paycheck, got your insurance, that's how they took care of you, eh, period, you're gone, okay? That's how they took care of it, okay? So I'm coming into ministry myself in West Virginia. And so I was raised in that Atmosphere. The atmosphere of ministry right now is completely different. Mm-hmm. I don't mean this in a bad way mm-hmm. because I'm having to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Everything he was saying, I'm saying yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But I'm having to adapt to that because see, my generation doesn't get that. Yeah. Yeah. My generation, my dad, my grandparents, my uncles. Mm-hmm. You went to work, you got your job, you got your insurance, you got vacation, That da they came home. Okay, not just in ministry, but but even in corporations. Yeah. Totally different. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. Totally they do everything but plant trees around your office. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, I'm standing, I get It's that. different, yeah. But, but So I'm, I I wrote this down so you kind of give a little basic thing. When I was sitting over there, I said, I, I, I hire folks to be professionals. I can't teach second grade. I can't teach science. Mm. I can't do these things. I hire them in their area of, of ability. And then the only thing I do from that, I back away but I give them boundaries. I give them three things, schedule, standards, and scope. The scope is really their job description, what I'm asking them to do. As long as they stay in that boundary of scope, we're great. Uh, the standards that we have for our church, they sign that. They know coming in what it is. And their schedules, their day. I mean, we, we work with church staff, 8 to 4. If they're out of the office, they let people know. So everybody has, they've got that all down. Here's the way I operate. I'm different because I'm a different generation. I don't, I don't bird dog you, do I, Jordan? Okay, I just don't. As long as everybody stays in that scope, standard, the schedule. If that, everybody's happy. If that doesn't happen, when we talk. Okay? Sam, so I hope and, that helps. And
1: I would say with the new staff, my focus for me when I came on and I had 15 or 16, I was, is relationships. We do live in, one, I think ministry yeah. should be relational. Yeah. And we live in, in, a, in a generation that is much more relational than industrial. Yeah. And so so building those relationships, not I'm the drill sergeant, you're the private. We're co-laborers ministering together. Yes, I'm the pastor, and there's some respect, but building that relationship is what I would focus on. All right, I know we're supposed to go to lunch. Pastor Norris, if you want to stick around for a minute or two, if you have a, a question for him. Thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us.
0: Would be, would be mommy chum, no, that's great. I, yeah. I noticed that. I yeah. have been. There. For sure. Uh, thanks man.
1: Thank you, bro. Yeah, you yeah. So, I came in this great Yeah. Three see you.
2: staff and then we had to hire quickly. it's been a culture of you know, super low pay. So, uh, so I mean, how do you, when we're growing, we hire the need to need not because the budget's there. Yeah, you so, how do you how do you, how do you get out of that? When I only hire when I have to. I'm not making a headway to be like, I'm going to give you a $5,000 raise. It's going to be
1: a, your hands are kind of tied with where you're at. It's really going to have to flow from Steve. It's going to have to be a philosophical discussion. Maybe at the beginning from the church. So we didn't, you know, the school had almost, School was 250K in the red a decade ago. When I came, every teacher was making 27 grand. A teacher that's been there for 23 years. But I still give a raise every year. Now, the last year or two, we've made a little. It's profited for the first time ever, but it's exploded. It's gonna to have to really be a philosophical thing with Steve, if this is a ministry we believe in. Just like we pay the, for the bus ministry, our North Valley offsets their school like three or four hundred K a year, and and so are we willing to do that? And if we're not, you can only do what you can do. It's not. So then, what you can't—I mean, you can't make up money. So you only have two options: either the school you you raise you get higher income. Or you say, this is a ministry of the church, and we believe in it, and so we're budgeting 100 grand. And we do it that way. And if neither of those things happen, then the culture just is that people are in poverty. And there, as a staff member, there's nothing you can do to affect that change. Having been a staff member, I'm very, very passionate and our staff still doesn't make what I want them to. The school teachers still but there are school teachers that are more than double where they were. Not all of them, but that's a lot in six years, a hundred percent increase, you know. So that but but that's philosophical. In as a staff member, you're not in a position to affect that change. You can bring it up and talk through it and explain why I want to, but the buck stops there. Yeah. All right. Thank you. How are you? Good. Thank you for the session. Yes, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. I have a question. You mentioned
0: about some staff members, Ron and others.
2: Yeah, yeah. How do you deal with staff members?
1: I think so much of that is in the hiring process. Sometimes it happens after hiring, but it's hiring the right people. And I don't really have that much problem with it um, in, our, in our culture. I don't have people that I'm always wondering where they at. are they lazy, are they doing it? They're committed and they're passionate and they love what we're doing. If, if I did and they weren't, I would individually sit down and explain schedule, scope, standards. Here's the expectations. If this doesn't make sense to you and we can't get this, then I'm not gonna hurt you, we'll make a healthy transition in the right time. But this is what's expected, and and, and if, if a few months later it's not there, that's a part of a leader, you've got to deal with it. I don't know if you have multiple staff, but if you have multiple staff and one of them is like that, it's going to create a bunch of resentment and frustration with the other staff if they're working hard and this one isn't. So you've, you've got to deal with it. And I would say you individually and lovingly, and you, you explain expectations.
0: How did you do
2: that? When I'm, I'm, a Spanish, I'm a Spanish pastor under oh, okay. a, okay. how did how did you do that when you were an administrator under the pastor? Are
1: these so? If the staff member you're mentioning, if you don't have direct supervision of that person, no, no, no,
2: I'm talking about somebody that I have direct
1: supervision. I, again, I would I would make sure with with if it's a Spanish ministry, I would make sure with the lead pastor or the English pastor. Here's my struggle. Here's my frustration. I'm getting ready to go talk to this person with this. Make sure he's on your. He, you guys are on the same page, so you don't create. You have a different dynamic, so you don't create frustration or division there. And then, that, I would say that number one. And then, if that's the case, first go, like, you know, say when I pastor, make sure he's okay with it. And then, because if you go deal with it here and he over your head. I don't know, then you could cause conflict with your lead pastor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hope that answers that. Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Long time no see. All the way from Virginia. You're back. Good to Uh, see you, man.
2: I was just wondering if you were looking to hire, I'm going on my senior year and graduating. If you were.
1: Shoot me if you, I'll give you my email. I've got a business card here. Um, I'll give you my business card. Shoot me your info. You know, where we've been, our church is probably actually... Overstaffed a little, okay. um, yeah. unless we lose somebody. Our school is where we've done a lot of the hiring because yeah. of the growth. So let me give you my business card, and you feel free to. Shoot. Yeah.
0: But if I have key staff, I'll
1: let yeah, right there's got my email address on there. Feel really free to shoot that. Shoot that. So yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Good to see you. What's up, bro? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good, good. We're having sea ball drug test, you guys, just because you beat us twice. So we're going to get a little drug testing going on. <laughs> You're the ones with like a six foot eight monster. Yeah, he didn't good. show up. I know, he didn't show up the second game. <laughs> like he didn't big, show up. I know. He's yeah, a beast, yeah. He is, he is. Yeah, he didn't show up. I go out there and practice against him.
2: Right?
1: Yeah, he's physical. Yeah. He pancaked one of our kids on that yeah. touchdown first game, man. He just shoved him out of the way. So you
2: guys haven't lost,
1: have you? Not yet. We have, we're playing Faith on Friday, and we're missing our... Our prior second best player, so we'll see what happens. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we play Faith Friday. Um, we haven't played them yet. We just played you twice and Pacific twice. We
2: couldn't. We could do anything else. Yeah. We jumped out. we were like.
1: I heard you got two two kick returns. They said, and then that was like the high Yeah, and then they scored twenty five straight or something. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you, Mike. Thanks for coming. Hey, Matt. Thanks for
2: trying to be so kind to us when we were coming down here. Oh yeah. Yeah. No problem. My wife, she started getting so sick for ah, a second. Yeah. Thing, so. but I was glad I was able to bring another man from the church with me this time. Oh, good. Now, so. Good. Uh, Seems
1: like things are going well out there. You guys enjoying it? Oh, it's great. Good. It's I mean, That's We're about awesome. to build a new building. Wow. What we, we,
2: well, we need to, we're not quite ready for um, yet. Mm. Probably gonna have to do two services first before okay. that happens. Okay. Yeah. I need fellowship space. bad, yeah. And I need no. classrooms bad. Yeah. And so we're in that traditional midwestern Mm -hmm. two-level rectangle building. Everything is below, and then the auditorium. So, we're gonna, once we get that fellowship hall, I can take our whole low, lower level and divide it out into classroom classrooms. Classrooms, awesome. And it, yeah. uh, um, it's a two story building, it's gonna have offices, all the offices, great. and wow. uh, an apartment down there, so I can start to bring it yeah. to and Yeah. Uh,
1: housing is the biggest thing, yeah.
2: Well, you know, yeah. the goal is to do that, kind of do the flip. You bring yeah. in the younger guy, yeah. let him, yep. okay, when we build now, you can move out, you buy yep. a house. Yeah. Because it's still cheap. We can, sure. We can buy yeah. houses where we are. Yeah. Um,
1: so, Not like Santa Clara. Uh, <laughs> <no>. Culture <laughs> no. shock well, on loved, the sticker price. I, mean, I loved living in. San oh, oh yeah, yeah it's it a was, beautiful area. Ir- yeah, no, maybe not in San Jose. <laughs> well, we were it's in, a beautiful uh, area to live, but it, yeah.
2: I mean, it is. I mean, even being back here now. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. Having breakfast this morning outside. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there's some nice stuff. No humidity, huh? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, but the, stir, the stress is just. Yeah. It's, it was, yeah, it's a different world. I, I told my wife when we finally moved and got there I said, you know, I said we, we needed this mm-hmm. I probably wasn't as good of a husband because we have gone through so much with our yeah, daughter with yeah. the cancer she got sick I said
1: yeah.
2: we need, I needed I, I was enjoying being in the colleges and having that environment and having that influence mm-hmm. it probably
1: wasn't good wasn't for healthy us. for your family it probably yeah. wasn't at the time yeah. Yeah. and so God, God teaches you and grows you through all that you know, yeah um, yeah. But anyways appreciate the session yeah thanks for hi. coming yeah hopefully
2: i'll get a chance to hang out here yeah at some point come back up Let's sounds
1: go. good look forward to it
2: Quick,
1: yeah oh cool yeah I, I, uh, but uh how do you so i'm a church <laughs> planner, so i don't have staff yeah i am the staff you know, yeah I, how do you in your ministry how do you apply these principles to your volunteers yeah. <laughs> So, without trying to show favoritism, Does correct? Make, you know, yeah, easy? you've got to build a leadership team. Okay, and so I would, I would view it in similar ways, just taking out the salary piece of it. Right, right. I would take those same principles of, okay. so, of, equipping, uh, yeah, bringing them to a conference, getting them a book, you know, okay. whatever, meeting with them one on one, getting them with a, a you know, a, a pastor, whatever, just yeah. equipping, um, and encouragement and. Do put together and leadership have a leadership team or whatever it is, and do a leadership team Christmas party and have okay. fun and build relationships and go out to eat one night with your leadership team and okay. all of those same things. I would I would apply, you know, mine's a little different. I don't do it as well with our lay leadership because I have such a large right, right, staff leadership right, right, to try right, to lead, right. but um, I would do the same thing. I, I would view them as your staff, okay. and and it's a different dynamic. You don't have the power dynamic or the leverage to force them to do something. They have to do it much more willingly and you have to be much more understanding and you can't set a, here's your schedule and here's your, you know, some of that doesn't apply but that idea, Mm -hmm. I, I would, I would, it, it, I, w- I, would, I would approach like that. So approach it with, like, a, uh, my Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Or, you know, without Cor- showing favoritism, though, to the person who's not necessarily, you know, who's just sitting on the, on the pew, so to speak. If, it, uh, is, is it showing favoritism so have to, have to, have to my staff to so give the their kids a $200 shopping spree that I didn't give to every kid in the church? Yeah. Uh, maybe it is. Probably, yeah. But I think th- this, and this is our leadership yeah, so team. So you're going to have to have wisdom there. But this is our leadership team. These people have made I've got another a... A greater investment in the ministry, we're going to make a greater investment in them. That's makes actually sense. a biblical principle. Right, makes sense. I gave you two talents, you multiplied it, I'm going to give you more. Okay. You were those faithful over a few, I'll make you really yeah. over many. No, so sense. as they invest, draw an eye to me, I'll draw an eye to God. Like, those are all biblical principles. As they invest in the ministry, you're not doing it to get something out of them. And that's where you have to be a little wiser and understanding. Yeah. Like, we can do that stuff, and it goes under W-2 as right, income. Right. right. But you they're investing here. We're going to invest in them. And that's not, I guess somebody could see it as favoritism, but it's me investing in our leadership Makes team sense. so yeah, that right. we have healthy leaders, so that we have a healthy ministry. Makes sense. Makes sense. Do you, yeah. do, you do that with your deacons as well? We, I, do a, I do a deacons Christmas party okay. um, where we go out to eat with them and I give them a small gift. Okay. Other than that, I, I, I really at this point haven't done like right. going on, on this retreat or going, yeah. and some people do it. De- Pastor right. Chapel actually, I think, in where I live, two hours from here, they do a deacons retreat with deacons and their wives one night in Orange County, and okay. and go meet together. So, with your leadership team, I would you know yeah. if they can do it, go 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 for a night or two and bring a speaker in and 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 you know. Meet, meet them, with 10 of yeah, you, yeah, and grow and training. And yeah, all of the stuff you would do if you had a staff, I would, almost all, I would do in the same same vein, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, others, yeah thank you. cool.
0: That you have to choose to live with.
1: Thank you, Pastor Norris. Hey, hey, thank all right. you. I'm heading God bless. Thank, thank you. Was I appreciate, appreciate your encouragement. Thank you. Uh, That was wonderful. Thank You're you a so blessing. Much. How you doing? I was going to ask. You know, what kind of attitude should you have coaching flag football? <laughs> Bad one that yells at the refs and the other coach. That's what you should have. That's all right. It, we, we can we can take it and give it. Both sides were. This is what happened. We're doing.
0: Years ago, I'll tell you. We were playing a basketball tournament over there at Foothill. Okay. So I get there for the <clears throat> championship game.
1: Uh, were you on the field? I saw you on the, on the night. Oh, sorry. I was going to take it home. I was going to take it home. Oh, who knows? Everything I just to. Whoever's listening to this, cut it off at the end.